Slump Buster Podcast. Slump Buster Podcast. The first quarter starts now. No analysis. This pretty much is going to be making our bowl predictions. Let me just acknowledge for the fact, I have watched many of these teams. I have not seen many of the bowl games until Juju reads these to me. Can you guess the first bowl game I will read to you, Kyle? Is it involving your New Mexico State Aggies? No, no. It's going to be the first one on the schedule. We have the Bahamas Bowl, which will be Miami of Ohio versus UAB in the Bahamas. So if you're Miami of Ohio, you got to love this game because get a, get out of the cold for a little bit. Enjoy some tropical weather. Uh, in fact, I think they're going to be flying high. I think I'm going to go with the Miami, Ohio. What are they? The Red Hawks? Yeah, yeah, Red Hawks. Uh, I'm going to take them because I just heard the other day UAB hired Trent Dilfer as their coach, which means they just fired their coach, which means they're probably not doing great. Wait, right wait, now. wait, hold up here. UAB, they're the ones with the dragon as a logo, right? Yes. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I go back to playing NCAA football, and, uh, you know, I, I was oddly drawn to UAB. You know what? I revised <laughs> my pick. I am going with UAB. Give me the dragon. Okay. Trent Dilfer. All right. What's next on the list? We have the Cure Bowl. Number 24, Troy, versus number 25, UTSA. Okay. You got a couple ranked teams going at it in Orlando. Um, Troy versus UTSA. You know what? Uh, this is going to be a proximity pick. I'm based out of Austin, Texas. I'm going to go with the team based out of San Antonio. The next best thing to the actual University of Texas, University of Texas, San Antonio. I'm going to go with you. Meet, meet, baby, all the way. The Roadrunners are going to have consecutive 12-win seasons with this victory, which is really, really hard to do in college football. I'm amazed that coach hasn't left for a better job yet. All righty. We are moving on to Saturday, December 17th. We have the Fenway Bowl. We have a football game in Fenway, which is the latest in the year that any team is playing in Fenway because the Red Sox were done in, I believe, August. Anyway, uh, Cincinnati will be going against Louisville. Cincinnati obviously lost their head coach. Uh, Louisville, they have a fun storyline. Kyle, you want to indulge on some of the chaos there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Louisville hired this guy named Scott Satterfield from App State to be their coach. Uh, this this previous offseason, uh, Louisville wanted to fire him, and Scott Satterfield wanted to leave. They were just both very unhappy but stayed together for the children because Scott Satterfield had a uh, top 10 recruiting class coming in somehow. And they started the season two and four. And then they just won five of their last six games, keeping Scott Satterfield employed, even though he wanted to get fired and, and Louisville wanted to fire him. But they just won too many games accidentally. Uh, and then Scott Satterfield just left Louisville for Cincinnati. He, he just He just left Louisville to go coach Cincinnati and they're now playing each other in a bowl game, a bowl game of which I'm being informed because of the layout of Fenway park. Both teams benches are on the same sideline. So that's going to be incredibly funny to watch happen as uh, Scott Satterfield (laughs) will probably not coach that game. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know, but Scott Satterfield uh, of now Cincinnati going against the team that Scott Satterfield just abandoned, which is just excellent. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I was I was drawn to the Bearcats storylines last year as they made their way to this college football playoff. This bowl game got canceled its first year in 2020. It got canceled last year in 2021. I'm going to bet that the game gets canceled again. We're going to play the odds and say this game will somehow get canceled. If not canceled, <laughs> I will still go with Cincinnati. Let's go to the Celebration Bowl. 
Jackson State, no longer with Coach Deion Sanders, will be going against NC Central. This game is going to take place in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. So eh, got a big stage for these two. Uh, let's yeah. see. Do I have a betting line? Do I have a betting line? I do not. Uh, obviously, Jackson State, uh, without your head coach, that's kind of like a big kick in the dick. Though they will have the talent advantage. I guess I'll go with Jackson State. Obviously, they've been a good story this year. Keep up their undefeated season. Why not? You know, big stage, big bowl game. Gonna be on TV. Go, go NC Central, the Eagles out of the Miak. I'll take them. Uh, just cause. Just cause. I'm, I'm I'm okay with some just cause picks here. Uh let's talk the Las Vegas Bowl. The number 14, Oregon State Beavers versus Ooh. Florida. Now, Florida, Ooh. they just lost Anthony Richardson to the draft. <laughs> uh, this is actually a pretty good game in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, playing in the Raiders Stadium. I kind of like it. Fun fact about Oregon State, they were like a top 10 team against the spread this year. I think I like Oregon State a little bit more. And I think Florida was trending in the wrong direction anyway. I'm going to go with Oregon State. Yeah, I'm going to take the team that didn't lose to Vanderbilt this year, and that's uh, that's Oregon State. Uh, that's spicy, though. Oregon State and Florida. I bet you they've never played before. I bet you this is the first time they've ever played each other you know, in program history. It is history. a 10-point line, I should add. I do have some betting lines for this one. 10-point line in favor of Oregon State. Yeah, I'll take Oregon State. Can't believe they're ranked 14. Good on, good on Oregon State, man. Good for you. <laughs> and you were just shitting on that game for USC. No one saw it. Only beat them by three. Oregon State. Don't mess with the beans, yeah, man. Yeah. Oregon State should have been in the playoff over USC. Yeah, guess we determine it. Put the beeves in. Number four, it's not too late. Do what's right, College Football Playoff Committee. Uh, let's go to the LA Bowl. SoFi, Washington State, the Cougs versus Fresno State. Ooh, this is actually kind of a fun yeah. one. You know what? I'm going to go with kind of like that Mountain West loyalties here. I think I'm going to go with Fresno State. Fresno State is better than eight. Pac-12 teams this year. Uh, I will list them off real quick. They're better than Colorado. They're better than Arizona. They're better than Arizona State. They're better than Wazoo. They are better than, uh, who's the other team there? Oh, they're better than Cal. They're better than Stanford. Uh, and they're better than UCLA because Fresno State went into UCLA and beat UCLA last season. So Fresno yeah. State, better than at least seven Pac-12 teams. Uh, you know, I, I missed Mountain West I, supremacy. I, it's the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifel. Stifel? Whatever. Huh. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel got that last year. I think Oregon State was in that game last. This game is what the Vegas Bowl used to be, which is the best Mountain West team gets to play like the fifth Pac-12 team. So congratulations to Fresno for winning the Mountain West. You get to play the shitty Pac-12 team you're better than. All right, let's talk about the Lending Tree Bowl. Rice versus Southern Mississippi. You know, again, I I think I'm just going to go with uh, Texas loyalties here. Give me Rice, the team out of Houston, to go against Southern Miss. Brett Favre's alma mater. I heard they have a really nice volleyball court these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take rice for non scamming insurance or scamming welfare fraud out of the state of Mississippi reasons. I'll take rice. <laughs> uh, the New Mexico Bowl, SMU Southern Methodist versus BYU the Flying Mormons. I actually don't think that that's their mascot. Uh, the universe, <laughs> no, no, University not. Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, they're the Cougars, right? which is appropriate given Zach Wilson's offseason storylines. But uh, this season's BYU team, uh, you know, I think I'm going to go with SMU, you know, Southern Methodist. I remember I really liked, you know, their 30 for 30 back in the day. Call it a comeback, you know, Southern Methodist. Come back with that high-flying offense. Why not? Their their coach last year was Sonny Dykes, you know. They are a one-point favorite in this game. 
<laughs> the Book of Mormon would be way more interesting if we just had flying Mormons all of a sudden playing football. That that would make the that would make the Book of Mormon way more interesting. You know what? Make it was. very convenient as you go door to door to just be able to fly door to door. So <laughs> kind of like I'm gonna take. I'm going to take BYU for selfish reasons. Uh, Malik Moore is a corner for them. He went to my high school, so I'm going to take BYU for selfish reasons. Okay, okay. So we're going to the Frisco Bowl. Uh, we got Boise State versus North Texas. The Mean Green, Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. I will go with Boise State. I, I still love this team. They they still are a good callback team for me, and they've been a very good program. North Texas, you know, I'm still bitter about last year them ruining <laughs> utsa's perfect season how dare they how dare they uh, uh yeah, north texas also state. fired their coach on uh sunday so not a yeah. not a great situation there uh, i'm gonna take boise state for more selfish reasons uh, my middle school friend jl skinner he's a safety for boise state he's gonna get drafted this year he went down with an injury in the mountain west championship game uh-huh. so shout out jl uh, i'm gonna take boise state because uh jl's a star safety all Mountain West team, baby. He's getting drafted this year, so I'm going to take Boise. It's going to be a party on Monday, December 19th, as the Myrtle Beach Bowl welcomes in Marshall <laughs> versus UConn. Uh, Marshall is currently oh. a 10-point favorite. Now, Marshall does have the best win of the season out of these two teams, beating Notre Dame very early in Notre Dame season. Obviously, Marcus Freeman still getting his feet wet over there. Uh, UConn. They are a good story this year in college football. They hadn't been bowl eligible for a long time. Um, and they have who Jim Moore Jr. down there as their head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, UConn, this, they, they weren't just bad, man. They were worse than most FCS teams for the past few seasons. UConn is, is you talk about baseball hell being in Anaheim. UConn is football hell, man. Like UConn is bad. And uh, they the, the fact they're six and six is quite remarkable. But uh, Blake Jude all the way, his Marshall Thundering Herd are going to win i love the, the love the yukon story but i'm gonna take like jude and marshall all right so we get to see the famous bluefield we talked boise state a little earlier but we get to see the famous bluefield and the famous idaho potato bowl eastern michigan versus san jose state <laughs> uh, san jose state is a three and a half point favorite yeah, i'll go eastern michigan why not I felt like they're more built for the conditions. I mean, Boise, you know, it gets a little cold out there. You know, this uh, fair weather San Jose State team. I don't think they travel well sure. in Boise. I mean, I know it gets a little cold in the Bay Area. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, not not cold. San, as San Jose is like in, four hours away Michigan. from Boise. It's like four hours away from Boise driving. Yeah, yeah but elevation. Sure. Okay. You got elevation in there, you know. You know, too. Well, damn. Actually, you know what? I revised that pick. I revise that because I remember San Jose State has some blue in their uniform on that blue field. Can't tell me they don't just fade into the background, fade into the field, almost camouflage attack. It's either the great advantage or a great disadvantage. I'm not sure how that works. Revise the pick. It is San Jose State now. Um, okay, well, this one should be great. Break out the Hawaiian shirt because we got the Boca Raton Bowl. Liberty <laughs> versus Toledo. Uh, Liberty. Oh. Um, Another team without their head coach (laughs) moved on to Auburn. uh, Just got blown out by New Mexico State not too long ago. Shout out NMSU. We'll talk about you a little later. Uh, Going against Toledo. Uh, Toledo is a four-point favorite. Uh, This is officially the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Um, (laughs) And I think it is going to be Toledo that claim.com's a victory against Liberty. 
that was gross but that, that, i also you know, like just it. gotta make it work uh yeah you know how i kept saying for all these years uh i always recommend jamie chadwell for every opening he's the coastal carolina coach well well jamie chadwell took that liberty job that was vacated by hugh freeze and i was just like god i had so much hope for you man had so much hope for you, Jamie Chadwell, but you took the damn Liberty job. Uh, I'm going to take Toledo for non-religious cult reasons. It's got to be even more festive. Let's talk about the New Orleans Bowl. Caesar Superdome in New Orleans. We have South Alabama versus Western Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> looks like South Alabama actually is a seven and a half point favorite. Actually having a good season, 10 and two. But you know what? In the season of Mike White, how could I bet against Western Kentucky? Even though I said Western Mission a couple weeks ago, how could I bet against Western Kentucky? I am going to go with Mike White's alma mater uh, against this Southern Alabama or South Alabama team. Also, also Bailey Zappi. Uh, I'm gonna also Western Kentucky. I'm gonna take South Alabama because South Alabama was like four and eight last year and turned it into ten and two. So shout out to South Alabama. They also almost beat UCLA. So one of those losses was like a last second field goal loss against ucla so they almost went 11 and 1 this year while beating ucla at ucla so i don't know why i know so much about south alabama but i'm gonna take south alabama to win <laughs> uh, okay so thursday december 22nd we got the armed forces bowl at amon g carter stadium in fort worth texas we have baylor versus air force um well baylor <laughs> Obviously, they got a little bit of advantage being that this is going to be a little closer to home. Fort Worth to Waco isn't exactly uh, requiring a plane flight. Uh, Air Force, well, at least they bring their own, right? Uh, Air Force, they are currently nine and three. They are six and a half point underdogs, however, to the Baylor Bears. Um, go ahead and give me Baylor, Big 12 loyalties, I guess. Uh, Air Force, uh, shame they can't get a win in the Armed Forces Bowl, but it is what it is. Baylor, because Dave Aranda is like my favorite coach in college football right now. So I'll take Baylor. All right. All right. Let's get into our next set of games. We have the Union Home Mortgage Gasparillo Bowl. We have Wake That's Forest. That's a great bowl game. That's Missouri. a great bowl name. This is going to be in Raymond James Stadium in Florida. Uh, Mizzou, uh, I guess, you know, closer. I mean, Wake Forest, not that far away. Huh. Wake, they had a great season last year. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get it closed out in the ACC. They're back down to seven and five this year. Six and six, Missouri. I've been at the bottom of the SEC for years, actually making it a bowl eligibility this year. I'm going to go with Wake Forest because I still think they have enough remnants of last year's team that was a good team to be able to take down the worst of the SEC in a Missouri. Uh, I'm going to take Wake Forest uh, for one reason and one reason only, and that is that their sixth-year quarterback, Sam Hartman, that is correct, sixth-year quarterback, Sam Hartman, he had an injury in which part of his rib had to be removed. He has refrigerated that part of his rib, and he wants to turn it into a necklace. So for that reason, I'm taking Wake Forest. That's like tight end type um, personality. That's not a quarterback personality. That's a scary man. That, that's like Ronnie Lott cut off your finger type shit, man. Like we, that, literally, that... we literally had the Dahmer documentary come out this year. Anyway, check that, man. Make sure he's he didn't okay. Say he, he didn't say he was going to eat it. He said he was going to turn it into a necklace. That like he's uh... not going to take a big bite out of it one day. It's just in the fridge. I mean, it's right there. Late night cravings. I, 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 I digress. Ugh. Let's go to the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. Oh, that's a great bull name. That's a great bull name right there. Is this the one in Shreveport, Louisiana? Uh, let's see. It is the one in Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah, no the one ever wants to stadium. play in this game. No one ever wants to play in this game. Well, I, I guess it's a good thing that you have Louisiana, the University of Louisiana, 
uh, at playing in it versus Houston. Houston is a six and a half point favorite. I am going to go again with in-state Texas loyalties here. I will go with Texas to beat Louisiana. I'm going to bet on Houston and uh, one of my favorite personalities in college football, Dana Holgerson, who uh, has, first of all, he smokes aggressively. He is like 4 a.m. at a casino. If 4 a.m. at a casino were a person, that's Dana Holgerson, who has uh, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes of all time, which is in a profiled uh, magazine, that interview that he was doing, quote, nobody's happy when I'm married. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> It's almost criminal that a team that already plays in beautiful weather the majority of the year gets to play in one of the best stadiums in college football, in football in general. Uh, We have the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, which will feature Middle Tennessee State versus San Diego State. Uh, This will take place at Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm pretty sure I know which way you're going here. Oh, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. I don't know with Middle uh, Tennessee State. You I'm, hate the state of Tennessee. Anytime we talk look, Tennessee Titans, you just shit all over Nashville, Memphis. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and but the problem is, and here. and again, for those for those who don't know, I'm I'm from San Diego. I grew up ten minutes away. My grandparents went to San Diego State. The the thing is, we don't like Brady Hoke in that athletic department because at worst they covered up sexual assault by Matt Areza and at best they exhibited gross negligence. So like we're not on good terms with San Diego state's athletic department right now. So what do you have a betting line for that game? I know Uh, it's an awkward pivot. Six and a half points in favor of SDSU. Uh, eh, I'll take SDSU. I'll take the possibly covered up sexual assault SDSU and Brady Hoke. Please fire Brady. Hopefully Middle Tennessee wins. So that'll move us along in firing Brady Hoke. I I hope that's something we get closer to. All right. Well, I will also go with SDSU again, Mountain West loyalties. Uh, Monday, December 26th, day after Christmas. Certainly is Christmas in Las Cruces, New Mexico has (laughs) guns up. Forget it if it's one or two. I'm like the worst alumni here. But NMSU will be taking on Bowling Green in Ford Field in Detroit in the Quick Lane Bowl. Uh, I, I don't know how we got Detroit. I guess when you're talking about a program that this is only their second bowl game in 60 years in New Mexico State, you're just happy to get what you get. Especially, too, because they had a long road to get here. At NMSU, uh, they finished the season five and six asked for a waiver from the NCAA to play a 12th game after their San Jose state game got postponed early in the year. Uh, They were able to play, I think like Vasparillo or whatever the name of the school was. Valparaiso. Valparaiso. (laughs) Blew them out. And listen, I covered NMSU back in the day in college. I covered them in the midst of an 18 game losing streak. The season (laughs) I graduate, they decide to go to their first bowl game in the Las Vegas bowl or whatever win the thing you know what I'm, I'm bitter but you know what screw it nmsu aggies oh aggies you know win their booze we'll buy the keg of booze and wobble with the aggies till we're something in our shoes whatever only only fight song with alcohol referenced in the song i was NMSU. about to say is that the real fight song where they actually reference alcohol in your fight song damn straight <laughs> Man, I know the vibes of the school you went to. I'll take New Mexico State. Why not? It'll, it'll be fun. This is the first time they've traveled out of like the general re- Mexico for a bowl game. <laughs> I have no idea 
how we're going to have any fans in attendance. Bowling Green definitely has a real home field advantage here because if our fans could barely travel for basketball games in which we're actually good at football. Okay. It's a good story, but I, if you're the university pay for a hundred students to go, just say, Hey, you want to go to Detroit for the weekend, which well, okay. Even that might, well, they can't Juju. They paid all that money to Valparaiso. Uh, that's true. We had, we had to, we had to get that six win, but anyway, guys, we didn't need another library. Let's go. Six wins. Bowl eligible. Yeah. Suck it. All right. Uh, Tuesday, December 27th, transferring over from that joy. Uh, we have the Camellia Bowl or Camellia Bowl or whatever it is. Uh, Georgia Southern will be taking on Buffalo. Buffalo. I haven't oh. heard about them in a while. Isn't that where Khalil Mack went to? Isn't Khalil Mack a former Mack Buffalo? Went to. Khalil Mack and Lance Leopold. All right. Well, hey. They are three and a half point underdogs to this Georgia Southern team. Uh, Georgia Southern has been a lot better in recent history. I think I'm going to lean that direction. I, I think that they've just produced even more NFL talent in general than Buffalo mm-hmm. has over recent years. You know who the coach at Georgia Southern is? No. Hold up. FAU, I know, just hired uh, Tom Herman. Oh, they did? That's kind of funny. Okay, Tom Herman's back in the game instead of being on sad CBS broadcasts at Friday nights. Uh uh, the, the the answer is Clay Helton. This Clay Helton. Ah, well, hey, good place to land. Georgia Southern is not terrible. Yeah, I'll take Georgia Southern. I yeah. know who the coach is. I don't know that who helps. the coach at Buffalo is. Clearly, he's doing something. Turn around one of the worst programs in college football. So that's something. Let's let's give him that respect. Let's give that coach that respect. Who is the Buffalo football coach? You might have to. It is. Do some extra searching to get past the McDermott. It is more Maurice Linguist. All right. Have a linguist. He's 38 years old. 38 years old. Pretty good. I don't know how he many was... languages he speaks, but he speaks call he speaks college football and was able to get this team bowl eligible. So he's doing something right there. All right. Let's move on. First responder bowl. We have Memphis versus Utah. This is gonna be in Gerald J. Ford Stadium oh. in Dallas. The Memphis Tigers versus Utah State not the flying Mormons. Mm. I think I'm going to go with Memphis. I, I'll I go know, Utah I just, State. Nah. I'll just always, yeah. Whatever. Mountain West. Move Mountain on. West. Let's go. We'll just move on. Uh, the Birmingham Bowl. We have Coastal Carolina versus East Carolina. This is going to be taking place in Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama. Coastal Carolina for me. I, I know ECU is a nine and a half point favorite, uh, but Coastal Carolina, Call it beating Zach Wilson a couple years ago. The joy of that still resonates with me. So uh, Carolina. we mentioned Utah State a second ago. So uh, I think it was like a few years ago, Matt Wells, who was the coach at Utah State, left to go to Texas Tech and he took his entire staff with him. So they had a defensive backs coach be the interim coach and a grad assistant be the offensive play caller. And they actually won that bowl game. <laughs> I think it was the New Mexico Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so in the same spirit of that, with Jamie Chadwell leaving and taking his entire staff to Liberty, I'll take Coastal Carolina <laughs> to win that game with probably like a grad assistant calling plays and Grayson McCall not playing. Who gives a shit? I'll take Coastal Carolina. Uh, we move on. We move on on this Tuesday. Tuesday, December 27th, to the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. I will make a guarantee here. Wisconsin is going to kick Oklahoma State's ass. This is going to be taking place in Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh. Um, Oklahoma State, over the last month, has just been kind of awful. Wisconsin, I know that they got some change coming to their head coaching position, but I feel like they're a more 
sure thing. So I'm so, going with Wisconsin so in this situation. This game, this game used to be called the Alamo Bowl. It used to be called the Cactus Bowl. It used to be called the Cheez-It Bowl. Now they went with Guaranteed Rate Bowl. It's just, ugh, ugh. It's not great. Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. Long live the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl is how I will call this game. I'll take Wisconsin. I don't care. <laughs> I won't watch that game. I guarantee you I won't watch that game. Well, this game I would expect you to watch. This next game coming up, I, I think you have to watch it because you have a shirt for this university. Um, the Military Bowl, which will be featuring Duke versus UCF. Oh, yeah, yeah. Take place at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, So we have no military affiliated university participating. Uh, Technically, I mean, the the head coach at Duke is Mike Elko, and he was at Texas A&M and Texas A&M pretends they're a military school. And okay, in fairness, UCF, they are the Knights. Knights are past military right no ucf ucf is the space force ucf is space force baby that is all i need ucf uh representing our men and women in knight's armor well uh give me the knights to succeed in the military bowl ucf is the space force baby number one space program in the in the country ucf i mean space force isn't really a military like branch but sooner or later it might be so we got the space force of ucf uh i don't know i'll I got the t-shirt, but also like Duke's a better team. So like, I don't know. Uh, just got smells think on. about your Daniel Jones analysis. Just think about your Daniel Jones analysis. You know, a quarterback know you're from right. Duke. I know you're right, but Mike Elko won eight games in his first season at Duke. Uh, I'm going to take Gus Malzahn. I'll take, I have the t-shirt in the corner back there of national champion, 100% valid national championship for UCF, by the way. So I'll take UCF to win. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl. It's going to feel good for one of these universities. ESPN, 5.30 p.m. Arkansas will be taking on the Kansas Jayhawks. You know, uh, it's been a long time since 2008, 2007, whatever it was. It's been a long time. Uh, Give me the Kansas Jayhawks against Sam Pittman in Arkansas. I know that it makes no sense. Arkansas should be the favorites, but uh, maybe something special happens with the quarterback. Uh, Daniels over there. Kansas, give me them to roll. This is their season. This is their bowl game. This is what they've been building for. What kind of Kansas loyalist would I be if I gave up on them now, baby? I mean, Kansas, this is no joke. I'm going to read this verbatim. What Kansas finished uh, since 2008, the last time they made a bowl game. Sixth out of sixth in their Big 12 division. Sixth out of sixth in their Big 12 division. Big 12 got rid of divisions. Out of 10 teams, 10th, 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 9th, 10th, 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 10th. That is since the last time Kansas has made it to a bowl game. Congratulations, Kansas. You you will beat Arkansas, and we will all be happy for you. Okay, this is a good one. This is a good one. Uh, kind of. It, it's not too bad. Uh, number 15, Oregon, in the Holiday Bowl, officially the oh. San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, which was taking place at Petco Park, will be taking on North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Oh. Oregon okay. ten and a half point favorites here. Um, yeah, give me the Ducks. Ducks should roll in this one. It's a long trip for North Carolina. Oregon's just a better team in general. I was. Uh, this is basically the joke I've been making for years. Is that this is like the the on a budget Rose Bowl because they do a parade, they do a big football game. It's basically like diet Rose Bowl. Uh, but uh, I was supposed to go to this game last year and then it got canceled because of COVID. But uh, I'll take Oregon. 
Bo Nix. Let's go, baby. Oregon. The Texas Bowl, taking place at NRG Stadium in Houston, is going to feature the Texas Tech Red Raiders, 7-5, and five, taking on Ole Miss. After the season happened in Austin, Texas, with my University of Texas Longhorns, and their loss to Texas Tech, screw those Red Raiders. Give me Ole Miss. Give me Lane Kiffin. Beat them by 50. Lane Kiffin lost to Mississippi State, uh, so I'm going to take Texas Tech. I don't care. Beat them by 50, Lane. Do it for us. Your four-point favorites. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Thursday, December 29th, we have three games. Let's start first with the Pinstripe Bowl, so the game in Yankee Stadium. Minnesota oh, versus Syracuse. Yeah. Minnesota-Syracuse, you say? Uh, that would be, of course, the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Bad Boy Mowers is now trading in their uh, their lawn mowers at the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl in exchange for the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. They're they're probably the funniest sponsor that has existed in any bowl game over the past I, I few years. I think it's more so when I think about you, you made fun of me because I called the Yankee Stadium a cathedral of the game, but I think there is a certain aura that radiates from a Yankee Stadium. It's a revered stadium in baseball. However, when I think about bad boy motors, and I add that to the elegance of Yankee Stadium, it just kind of seems a little off. Yeah, bad boy mowers, baby. Let's get it. Uh, Petco Park's better than Yankee Stadium. I'm going to take, I don't know, PJ Fleck might shove an oar down his throat, so I'll take Minnesota. I think I'll go Minnesota too. Uh, Okay, well, let's move on. Let's move on to the Cheez-It Bowl, which will feature, surprise they're bowl eligible, which will feature Oklahoma. Against number 13, Florida State, Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Florida State, damn, 13 this year. Yeah, I know that you mentioned, you've talked about a lot of Florida State in the last couple of years. But here they are, number 13. I, I go back to their opening day win against LSU to kind of set the precedent early of kind of like where this program was or where it could be. And it's not that long ago that Florida State was competing for national championships. We'll see. Maybe this is the right stepping stone. I'm going to take them beat Oklahoma because, come on, Oklahoma. Yeah, dude, like how many teams had to decline this bowl game before they got to Oklahoma? Like, I guess Oklahoma had a good conference record, so maybe by tiebreakers they did finish fourth in the Big 12, but, like, they finished, like, six and six. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Florida State, Florida State. Okay, uh, our last one of this Thursday, December 29th slate is going to feature – the number 20 <laughs> Texas Longhorns as six point favorites against Washington. Uh, Washington is currently number 12, had a strong start to the end of the year. Uh, Penix decided that he's going to be coming back next year, too, had a long emotional Instagram post. Uh, so I'm going to pick the Longhorns to kick their ass. Yeah. It's a yeah. Shocker. Is this the Alamo Bowl? Uh, this is going to be the Valero Alamo Bowl. Yes. Okay. I mean, I said in the preseason, if Texas makes the Alamo Bowl, the season's a success. So uh, they already got the eight wins. Ninth would be a nice little boost, win or lose. I don't know. I'll take Washington just to be a dick. (laughs) Would expect nothing less. All right, (laughs) let's move on. Friday, December 30th, we have... Which one do I want to go for? Of course, I got to start with the Duke's Mayo Bowl. We got Maryland versus NC State, number 23, NC State. Uh, Maryland is a one-point favorite in this game. Uh, so the Duke's Mail Bowl, that is going to take place at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. So North Carolina State obviously has a little bit of a home-field advantage here. I think I'm going to go with number 23. 
So any every year, that, I mean, this is only the second year of this game, but every time this game goes along, there's only one criteria for deciding a winner. It is which coach would be funnier to watch get waterboarded with mayonnaise because that's how they celebrate at the end of that game is by waterboarding a coach with mayonnaise. These coaches aren't really that fun. I mean, it's Dave Dorn, who's kind of boring at NC State, and uh, I think it's Loxley is the coach at Maryland. You know, as someone who once at one point in my life had uh, loyalties to the University of New Mexico, Fuck Mike Loxley. You know, uh, any time he loses, I'm okay with it. So, yeah, NC State, roll in this game. Beat him. Okay. So, so you know what? I'll take Maryland so that we can waterboard the coach you don't like with mayonnaise. I think that's an adequate punishment is that we will waterboard him with mayonnaise. It's kind of like I don't want them to win, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned the mayonnaise, and I'm like, ah, that might be kind of funny. So, yeah, it's. Whatever. I, I still don't understand it. Head coach at a university versus gets the Alabama OC job and I, whatever, just has a good rest of his career. Whatever. Michael Oxley worked out pretty well for him. I mean, Talia Tungavailoa just broke the passing yards and touchdown record at Maryland. <laughs> okay. Let's go to El Paso for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. <laughs> Number 18, UCLA versus Pitt. Aww. Eight and four. Uh, Chip Kelly, nine to three. UCLA's had a good year. Uh, probably should have beat USC. Love that back and forth game. That was one of the more fun games of the season. Yeah, I, I just like UCLA. I like what they've done offensively as a program a lot more. Uh, you know, Pitts, I mean, the fact they have an eight to four record is really impressive considering you lose your quarterback. I do know who's currently their starting quarterback. I think it's a name. It's it's a guy who's kind of like at, been around the circuit. At uh, UCLA? Slovis. Yeah. Oh, or, oh no, no, no. Slovis, Pitt, uh, yeah. U- USC. Okay, so very familiar. They they played, you know, obviously just a season ago. So yeah, UCLA. I think they have some good game tape on him. They should be able to roll in this game. Yeah, UCLA is going to care way too much about this game. So I'm going to take UCLA because sometimes caring is all that matters in these bowl games. So uh, I'll take UCLA. This is DTR's last game. He's not going to go to the NFL. So they'll care way too much about that game and get that tenth win. I think this company cares way too much about your taxes because this is the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Yes, That's legendary. Yes, this is my favorite one because, like, when you win what when you win like the Frosted Flakes Bowl, at least you get like something cool. Or if you win like the, I don't know, the the Duke's Mayo Bowl. This one, you get your taxes. Congrats, the Tax Slayer Bowl. That's what you win. Can you not pay taxes for a year if you win this one? If you if you got not not paying taxes for a year, I think this would be the perfect bowl game to win. Uh, anyway, it's going to feature number 19, South Carolina, versus number 21, Notre Dame. Uh, this is going to take place in TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Notre Dame, now they've been really impressive the second half of the season. So they had that slow start, but they slowly started building and building and getting better. And then you look at Marcus Freeman now and you're like, okay, maybe they have something there. Maybe he does have the loyalty of his guys. Now we'll see how he does as a recruiter. I want to go with Notre Dame. They've just been heading in the right direction. I know South Carolina, this last three week stretch, obviously the beating Tennessee and never taking their foot off the gas. And then they had another impressive win down the stretch. I know as well. Um, they beat Clemson. They beat Clemson. Yeah. Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler has been on fire lately, once a top prospect. I would advise, I, I don't know if Spencer Rattler, if he came out this year in the draft, how high he would be taken. I think it would take almost another year of doing something like this to really put himself back into that 
high round draft pick potential, but uh, you certainly turned around his career because I thought he was going to be one of those that third program. We just never hear from him again. Uh, Notre Dame. I think they're just better equipped to win this one. I'm, I'm going to take the fighting Irish. If you, you, you know how in gambling, if you like pick the same result over and over again, you, and that, that like over time, it will work out like picking under every time will lead to a, a slightly large victory. If you bet against Notre Dame, every time you will win money because Notre Dame loses a lot of bowl games. So I'm going to pick South Carolina. Cause if, as, as long as you always pick against Notre Dame, you'll always win money. All right, let's move on to the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. So Barstool literally has their own bowl game. Kind of feels a little weird, but okay, nonetheless. They get Um, the broadcasting rights too. I hope they at least go all in. They really make the presentation really pop. If you're going to have your own bowl game, (laughs) might as well make it like worth it. Anyway, uh, Barstool is going to be featuring Ohio and Wyoming. Uh, Ohio is a one-point favorite uh, against Josh Allen's alma mater. Uh, let me go with Wyoming. I don't know. Arizona State Stadium. Um, not sure. Why not? Yeah, I'll take I'll take Wyoming for Mountain West pride. Uh, although Ohio went from like three and nine to nine and three this year. Uh, also, this Barstool Bowl has existed for at least one season at this point. So this isn't like the first time they've done this thing before. So it's not that interesting. <laughs> uh, we got one of our bigger bowl games here. We have uh, number six, Tennessee versus number seven, Clemson. Clemson is a seven-point favorite. Uh, Tennessee, you're down your starting quarterback, Hendon Hooker, but uh, Clemson, I don't know if you even had a starting quarterback because DJ Uolongole has officially entered the transfer portal after getting benched in the ACC championship. Uh, tells it kind of like that in-between period of finding quarterback when it comes to Dabo Sweeney has not been too kind. Uh, DJ was supposed to be a five-star prospect, never really lived up to the hype. Big game, um... I don't know. I, I love the Tennessee story throughout the year, but it, it's just hard when you just don't have your quarterback, you know, like, yeah, I feel like Dabo is going to take this one very seriously. He's going to coach up his guys. He's going to get that same kind of respect and love and adoration that Sweeney has been able to get out of his guys. Every time he's played in a big bowl game like this, I take Clemson actually. And also DJ Oyungalele's backup is actually better than DJ, as we found out, as he dropped a 50-burger on North Carolina in the ACC championship game. So, yeah, I'm going to take Clemson uh, because, again, Hendon Hooker's done. But this is the battle of teams that lost to South Carolina. Now, the argument I'm seeing online is that should both teams rock their orange unis, given we are talking about the orange bowl. Yes, let's go. Do it. It'll be chaos. It'll be fun. It's like when you pick two white jerseys in Madden and you don't know which players you're throwing to. It's great. <laughs> now, if they can only play on an orange field, just really add to the chaos of it, right? Um, okay, let's move on. Let's talk, start talking about New Year's Eve uh, before we turn the calendar to the new year. You know, I'm going to actually refrain from the actual college football playoff matchups. We'll talk about those in another video. So if you're still with us at this point, you know, come on, check those out, guys. Let's talk about the Music City Bowl. Uh, Iowa versus Kentucky. This is going to take place at 12 p.m. that day. Uh, Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. Will Levis, this is his time to shine. Or is he playing? I don't know. Did he get knocked out? God, he should not. (laughs) Under no circumstances should he play in that game. Um, If he does play, (laughs) I think I'm leaning Kentucky. If he doesn't, I might lean Iowa. 
Okay, I'm going to pick Kentucky for Blake Jude's sake because I think if they win this game, Mark Stoops gets an automatic one-year extension by virtue of winning seven games, which is a term in his contract that's absolutely remarkable. If anyone watches this game, you are a pervert. If you watch this game, (laughs) nobody should watch this football game. Even if you have a rooting interest in both teams, nobody should watch this football game. So you're calling people a football pervert if they're watching this game. You are I, a I sicko. So... You are a sicko if you watch this game. What, what type of people are the ones that are betting on it? You have a deep, deep, dark gambling addiction. <laughs> you have a deep, deep addiction if you're betting Iowa, Kentucky. For the second year in a row, by the way, Iowa, Kentucky played in the Citrus Bowl last year. And they put them in the goddamn bowl again. This is this is some this hey, is some dark, it's a, dark. It's a rivalry. This time it's personal. Yeah, because Mark Stoops is going to replace the rotting corpse of of Kirk Ferentz whenever he retires. All right, let's talk about the Sugar Bowl. This one should be a little bit more exciting. We have number five Alabama versus number nine Kansas State. This is going to take place in the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. I have seen Alabama in years in which they don't have the college football playoff kind of mail it in when it comes to these bowl games, these lesser bowl games. And I know that this one's going to mean a lot to Kansas State. Coming off that big victory against TCU, I think Kansas State's going to want to have that little chip on their shoulder going in against Alabama. I think I'm actually going to pick them to win, especially, too, because we've seen um, on the road, this Alabama offense doesn't travel as well. And the neutral site game, you have a lot of guys who are thinking about their NFL careers more than their remainder of their college football careers. I, I think that for the Kansas state players, this game is just going to mean a lot more. So I'm going to pick the wildcats. Yeah. Three starters on just entered the transfer portal. Also Bryce young shouldn't play in this game under any circumstances. Will Anderson shouldn't play in this game under any circumstances. Any player who's going to get picked in the first two rounds on that Bama team. Don't play under any circumstance. Uh, so I don't know. Bama still probably wins. Cause they got five stars all up and down that roster. Still. I don't know. I'll, uh, it'll be fun to watch if I choose to watch it. I might watch it. Uh, let's talk about Tulane, number 16 Tulane in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl versus number 10 USC. Uh, ah. USC uh, feeling a little disappointed given that their ass kicking they just suffered against uh, Utah. Uh, Caleb Williams got hurt in that game. I don't know if he plans on playing this game. He's still got a year to wait either way until he has to worry about NFL prospects. So he could if he's healthy, if he wants to just put on a show. Uh, if he plays, then they should, in theory, be able to roll over Tulane. But Tulane, they, they've, they're a team that had a couple quality victories throughout the year. There's a reason they got the number 16 ranking. They're 11-2. Uh, USC is only a two-point favorite. Uh, I predict a high-scoring game at the very least because one thing you could tell in that Utah game, and I guess you could tell throughout the season, is <laughs> USC's defense. It's similar to Oklahoma Sooners' defense. So Lincoln Riley's definitely carried that over. Riding the green wave, baby. Tulane all the way. We love our group of five team, our obligatory group of five team in the in the power. I have the UCF shirt back there for the national champion UCF team. So we're we're riding the green wave all the way to victory in the what was that? The Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll take the green wave. Okay. Uh yeah, I, I feel that. All right. If if US if Caleb Williams plays, USC. If he doesn't, Tulane. Uh, the cheese it citrus bowl. No, I don't like that. I feel as though if you're going to have a citrus bowl, then you got to give me some sort of juice company. Give me cheese it. You can't give me minute maid or, uh, 
Sunkiss or whatever, you know, better, like, <laughs> better than better than what the the sponsor used to be for this bowl game, which was Verbo. <laughs> I, I, you know, I feel as though if it's another food, it, it just doesn't sound right. But okay, either way, number seventeen LSU versus Purdue. Will we get the Purdue game oh. in a bowl game? Uh, Purdue eight and five, LSU nine and four. They are eight point favorites. I feel as though this is kind of like a statement year for Brian Kelly and his program, putting a stamp on uh, his first year with the, with the university. I think that they're going to come out motivated to give their coach at least a good bowl win because towards the middle part of the year, especially after the Alabama, when you start to see those players really start to rally behind Kelly. And I think he has a good thing going there. I think that, you know, I look at Purdue, the Boilermakers, they, at least last year's version of the Boilermakers like to throw it a lot. We'll see if Alice, you could shut that down. Um, yeah, I think you mean number 17. Yeah, let's go LSU. Let's get uh, Brian Kelly standing next to that like anthropomorphic Cheez-It mascot uh, that looks like a king that Dabo Swinney really got excited about last year. So, yeah, let's go. Let's go Brian Kelly and his program to get the victory. <laughs> the elegance, the prestige. We can only be talking about the vaunted Rose Bowl taking place in Pasadena, California, between the number eight Utah Utes and the number 11 Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, Utah, hell, Whittingham, uh, you know, you know what you're getting year to year. Like, he, he's just one of the better coaches around college football, uh, model of stability. And the fact that he was able to go against USC and kick their ass the second time, I kind of guess just shows you kind of what, what he's bringing um, th- at the quarterback position. I think they have an obvious advantage too. Yeah. I think I'll go with Utah. I, I, Penn state. Not a lot of impressive victories to me. I, I know James Franklin has a good team, but not a lot of impressive victories. The two biggest games they really had got beat up. So Utah in the biggest games they had this year, they won aside from the Florida game, right? So there there were literally no other ranked teams in the Big Ten this year. There were only three, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. So they just had to send someone to the Rose Bowl. Uh, I made a promise on the Take It Easy podcast that if Utah got USC up out the paint, that I would reward them by watching their quaint little Rose Bowl against Penn State. And I will follow through with that. I will watch the Rose Bowl from start to finish, you get the sunset over the horizon. It's quite nice. I've been there before. It's quite fun. Uh, and I will I will watch Utah defeat Penn State in their nice quaint little Rose Bowl that they now get to. By the way, Utah travels really well. There's going to be like 80% Utah fans at that Rose Bowl. They travel super well for those games. Best two words in broadcasting, more Slump Buster. We're heading into OT with one more topic. Cal, it was just a week ago that we talked about two big head coaches going to the Big Ten in Luke Fickle and Matt Rule. Perhaps the biggest offseason coaching addition, Deion Sanders deciding he wanted to leave Jackson State and sign on to be the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, Colorado having a miserable year, having a miserable last couple years. (laughs) But with Deion going there, it adds a new dynamic to the Pac-12 moving forward. And I guess I got to ask, Deion Sanders to Colorado makes Colorado a top blank team in the Pac-12, a top like eight team. I don't know. There's so many variables going on there. Like I think automatically they should top 25, uh, 2023 season unranked and they will not be ranked at any point during the season. 2024. 
See, I don't know because I don't know the players who are going to come in. This is this is well, the I'll tell you thing. some of the players. There's a lot of them are five star and four star players. This is the interesting thing. So I've seen the transfer portal in flux this week. Obviously, his son is going to come to Colorado, even though his son didn't seem too enthused about it at that press conference. His son, it looks like, is going to leave Jackson State to be the quarterback at Colorado. I, there's just so much in flux with that program that it's just difficult to evaluate. But on its surface level, I think it's an interesting move. If you're Colorado, you, you're kind of in a no-lose situation by bringing in Deion Sanders. And it's Deion Sa- It's unique for a bunch of different situations. First and foremost, it's the first coach from an HBCU to ever get hired for a Power 5 coaching job. Now, I recognize that it's because of Deion Sanders yeah. that this is the case. And uh, college football has a terrible track record when it comes to diversity hiring. So I understand that this is reasonable to suspect this is the first, even if it's a problem. And uh, the Deion Sanders situation, I, we, I was talking off air, like I find it so difficult to evaluate, not just because I don't know the players that are going to be on the Colorado team, but because I don't know what Deion Sanders can sell other than Deion Sanders to to turn that program around. Okay, but I guess my question for you is because so often when we talk about like Georgia, you know, you defer to the fact that they have five stars coming off the wazoo. Now we're talking about if that same principle is applied to Colorado and they have five stars on five stars surrounding the building. Does that not shift how you look at them in the Pac-12? Does that not shift that how you look at them in the top 25 rankings idea? So I think what we're talking about is more like the four star guys coming to Colorado because there's only like 30 to 45 stars every time around. And Deion Sanders got two of them. He got two of them to go to Jackson State. Travis Hunter, the, the number two prospect in his class, was at Jackson State last season and his son who is really more of a four and a half to five, four and a half to four star guy. But you could argue that that's a player out of Jackson state's league in terms of recruiting because he's Deion Sanders son. And because of what Jackson state was building in terms of like the environment and Dion selling Dion and HBCU, like you can point to that and say, that's something they were building towards. I, I don't know how that's going to replicate at Colorado. And there's so many variables and I'm not a recruiting expert by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. So I think everything is in flux that it's like, well, look, if you get a handful of four stars and you get a handful of five stars into Colorado, you can win eight games in the Pac-12. I mean, that's basically what Washington did. The, the difference with Washington is Washington has a lot of resources and donors that can ultimately mm-hmm. build an NIL program such that they go five and seven the year prior, bring in a new coach, have Michael Penix transfer from Indiana to Washington, have some linebackers and defensive linemen transfer from Fresno State with DeBauer, and they go 10 and two. So like, it's easier to do that than building something from scratch at Colorado. And I I feel very confident in saying next year, they are best case scenario going to win six games. That I feel pretty confident in saying no matter how many players get in the door when you're like turning a one and 11 program over in flux, Best case scenario, they win six games next year. But again, there's just so many variables and and I don't know what that's going to look like. So if like we were building the perfect college football coach, right, we would have to start with uh, the personality, right? You have to have a good personality for recruiting. That would probably be like a good starting point, right? And you, you talk about these recruiting visits. If I told you Deion Sanders was walking in your building versus Matt Rule, Deion being a household name, Dion being Dion primetime Sanders, a Hall of Famer, has the jewelry, has won two Super Bowls, has played in a World Series. 
you know who Deion Sanders is. Your mom, your dad, they know who Deion Sanders is. All your uncles and aunts, they know who Deion Sanders is. It kind of shifts the priorities of a young man. You know, just putting yourself in the mindset of a 18-year-old kid, you know, two coaches walk through your door, one of them being an NFL all-time Hall of Famer, largely regarded as the best player at his position, if not one of the best players of all time in the NFL, right? So you, mm-hmm. this guy has pelts on the wall. He, you know what he brings to you. The, you know, it, it. what struck me about this hiring is just why Colorado, right? You know, like what, a lot of us were like projecting what Deion Sanders could do, what his next stop would be, and how far he wanted to really take the coaching thing. Because when he went to Jackson State, a lot of people just kind of looked at it as, okay, he's, yeah, he's lifting up HBCUs, right? It's a way to kind of mm-hmm. give back to the community and everything. but. Now it's like, okay, he's actually invested and enthralled by the idea of being a coach because he's obviously signing deals to do it. And yes, if Colorado's going to throw a bunch of money at you to do it, sure, that's that's part of the factoring in. But he could be doing anything with his time, right? We Deion Sanders doesn't have to be a head coach. You know, that that's what's so unique about it. He's choosing to do this. And, you know, yes. we look around yes. the landscape of college football. It's just like Colorado is like such a – mid to below average no it's it's a dead program it's it's a dead program for the last 15 years it's yeah they're bad this year they're bad last year they've been bad for years upon years years of years beyond that Uh, you have to go back like well see i'm just looking through their records here i am struggling to find like a double digit win year you know the fact no that, it, it doesn't oh, exist wow. for 15 years colorado has been terrible and the reason dion took that job is it was the only one offered to him. He was having conversations with USF. The job wasn't ever offered to him, perhaps because he had already been offered the Colorado job before that. Uh, they do have one 10 win season, by the way, 2016, they had a weird 10 win season. But other than that, they have had no 10 win season since 2001. So uh, one 10 win season in the last 20 years, very few, a lot of missed bowl games in there. But again, like when you're talking about Dion walking into the recruiting and selling parents on Dion and the environment being different. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying Dion Sanders is selling Dion Sanders. Yeah. And by the way, that worked great at Jackson state. He went 22 and five in three seasons at Jackson state. It worked unequivocally. That's why he's now getting the job yeah. at Colorado. And you know, I lost track of something. I just want to backtrack a little bit. So building that pie of like what makes a good college football head coach. So I mentioned the personality how much of that section of that pie do you think that is? Because there is a portion that is schematically, right? I don't know how good of a schematic head coach Deion Sanders is. And that may be the ultimate thing that kind of limits his ceiling. Not saying that Deion Sanders doesn't know football, but I, you know, it's a different skill set to be a head coach calling plays or choosing the correct people to call those plays for you than yes. it is to be. Uh, you know, a t- complete CEO head coach, you know, um, you can line up all the five stars in the world, but look at Texas, right? You know, we talk a lot of Texas football on this one. We know that there's a lot of five stars, four stars <laughs> on that team, and they still struggle to get out the gate and go to that eight win season. As we've kind of mentioned here, Colorado, historically, it, it would be a larger rebuild in that sense. So I, I hear what you're saying. I just think that personality is so so much more important than it is if we were just talking about this from an NFL coaching perspective. Yes, 100%. And personality is making up a big part of the pie. I'm taking this secondhand from Bomani Jones. I didn't watch it. Him, He was saying that from the press conference with Dion, they did not ask a single schematics question. 
to Deion Sanders during the introductory press conference, which I, again, secondhand sourcing, I think that's interesting. And by the way, I don't know that Dion can't sell Deion Sanders at Colorado. He did it at Jackson State. He's going to assume try the same strategy at Colorado because the one thing Colorado doesn't have is money. One of the fun stories out of that press conference, the AD said, we don't have the money right now to pay him, but it's coming in at some point in the near future. So like Colorado doesn't have money. And the thing that I think is interesting is if he's going to sell Deion Sanders at Colorado, it's going to be a long buildup because I know Colorado is in the Pac-12. I know the Pac-12 has a name. This is like the USF job that he was also in contention for is probably a better job than Colorado. By the way, USF team that won four games the last three seasons, that job still might be better than the Colorado job. At least a warmer job. At the very least, it is a warmer job. And I, 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 again, if he's going to sell Deion Sanders, it's going to be three years before we see some sort of results because no one can build up a program like that in a span of just a couple years. Lance Leopold at Kansas yeah. is, is something that was being held up as this incredible story. And he won multiple Division Three championships, went to Buffalo and turned them from a nowhere program into a team that won a MAC championship this is year two of rebuilding that thing. And they went seven and five this year. And people were calling it one of the great turnarounds through the transfer portal yeah. in, in the like modern recollection. And that was seven and five. So no matter how many players you bring in, I'm going to, I'm going to say reasonably Colorado goes four and eight next season. And then by year two, we can kind of start to see what that's going to look like, but I have no idea what it's going to be. Cause what Deion Sanders is selling is Deion Sanders because there's not really a whole lot else to convince four star players to go to Colorado over insert sec school here or insert nine <laughs> out of 14 sec schools here. Here it's a good party school. I don't know if that's the priority list, but whatever Boulder, I can't imagine there's much else to do around there. So might as well party it up. But then again, dude, that's kind of the same problem that Texas has too. And some of these recruits, but Hey, what are you going to do? I don't um, know. Like uh, it'll be interesting to see. And again, uh, it, it'll be a years long process. It's not going to be like we flip the light switch and all of a sudden they win nine games. Cause they're bringing in all these players. I feel confident saying that's not going to happen, but again, this will, this will be certainly an experience. It's certainly more sexy than Scott's. Well, actually that Scott Satterfield story is super interesting. Scott Satterfield hated being at Louisville. Louisville hated him. They just won too many games to fire him. So then he took the Cincinnati job. It's kind of wild, but I was just inserting like certainly the Deion Sanders hire is more interesting than Scott Satterfield going to Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm just a little bit disappointed to know that Jerry Rice's son isn't currently at Colorado anymore, or at least I can tell. I think he's at UNLV now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Either way, that would be UNLV kind of cool. also just fired their coach. So maybe he'll be at another program soon. 